Hello and welcome to this week's edition of SBC This Week, a roundup of news and views from around the Southern Baptist Convention. SBC This Week is hosted by Amy Whitfield and Jonathan Howe. Hey, Jonathan. How's it going? I would sing Auld Lang Syne right here, Amy, but I can't remember the words. Should old acquaintance be forgotten. Be forgotten. There you go. And never brought to mind. Thank you. Yeah. I, I, I couldn't remember what it was. We're recording this on Christmas Eve and every year on Christmas Eve, Keith and I watch It's a Wonderful Life. So like that's the that's the song that we sort of usher in Christmas Day with. Oh, really? That song. Yeah, because well, it's at go. the end. It's at the end of well, this It's is a Wonderful Life. Also the end of our year here on the podcast. I, even though I think we're going to drop another episode, we'll drop our 2022 preview before that's the right. end of the year. But this is kind of our recap, our, our look back on 2021. That's right. Are Dick Clark rocking SBC New Year's Eve? No? Uh, okay. You can say it that way. All right. Okay, good. So on this episode, folks, we're going to look back at our beginning of the year questions that we asked at the beginning of 2021. We're going to look at the biggest stories of 2021 that are going to be coming, I think, later. If you're listening to this, uh, we're dropping it on Monday the 27th, so it should drop on the 27th. The story is actually, that, that list is not going to come out in Baptist Press until the 29th. But hey, let's be real. We already know all these stories anyway this year. That's right. So, it, so I'm we not just talk, breaking news you know, here. Yeah, we're just so, going to talk a little bit about them, but then you yeah. can go to Baptist Press. and Yeah. And, and then we've got more. a resource of the year, and we've got a little story about that, folks. And uh, you're not going to want to miss on that. But before we get into things this week, we do want to thank our sponsor each and every week and for the entire year of 2021 here on the podcast, Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. All the upheaval and disruption over the last two years have left many asking, what does ministry look like now? The Ministry Now Conference will answer this question. On March 22nd to 24th, experienced ministry leaders from across the nation will gather at Southwestern Seminary in Fort Worth, Texas, to explore how God's churches can thrive in this ever-changing ministry context. Founded on an unyielding commitment to biblical truth built by expert practitioners and designed to encourage and equip God's people in every area of ministry, this gathering will empower you to live your calling wherever you serve. So join us in Fort Worth, Texas on March 22nd to 24th. Discounted registration ends January 15th, so reserve your tickets now at swbts.edu slash ministrynow2022. That's swbts.edu slash ministrynow 2022. So uh, links in the show notes over to that. Looking forward to that on the campus of Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. Amy, we start with our questions for 2021. Kind of fill the listeners if they're new, explain what we do here and how we do it and and what we're going to do today. Yeah. So this is something that we do every year. So if we picked up some new listeners in 2021, here's how it works. Every year, our first episode of the year, we pick 10 questions for the new year. So in the next episode, we'll have our questions for 2022. Then what we do is we just sort of let those sit for the whole year. And we do not look at them again until December. And so I just looked at these the other day, a couple of weeks ago to start reflecting. And I, every year it's the same. I'd never remember what questions we asked. And so when I get to December and look, I'm kind of stunned. Some of them have super easy answers. Some of them you realize that question didn't matter at all because it wasn't the important thing of the year. And we had no idea what actually was coming. Yeah, we got a little bit of that this year. That's right. So it's always kind of fun because it reminds us of where our heads were last year. Also reminds us that things change all the time. You never know what to expect. And it's a, it's a pretty fun exercise to look back 
And uh, it's kind of like a time machine to go back. If we could go back and tell the January Amy and Jonathan, oh, here you go. Here's the answers to everything you're wondering. So we have 10 questions from 2021. And typically the way this works is I throw out a question to you and you sort of take the lead on that answer. We talk a little bit and then we switch. So I'm going to yep. jump with number you're one. Start number one. All right. That's right. So I got to answer. Yeah. Which is kind of a, a question that should be expected. Oh, it yeah. does have does have a lengthy answer um, or a substantive answer. How will the COVID-19 pandemic affect us in 2021? Well, it, it obviously depends on your role and depends on you know what's going on in your life. I know we have some friends who, and I know many of you do as well. Many of our listeners have lost people to COVID-19 this year, um, which is tragic, obviously. Uh, we lost some people in 2020. Obviously, that was something that we had no idea was coming in 2020. Uh, we knew it was around, still affecting us in 2021 when we started the year. And, and sadly, there continues to be loss of life. On the positive side, things, I, I wouldn't say they're back to normal because they're not. I don't think they'll ever be back to quote unquote, you know, back right. to what we thought was quote unquote normal before. However, I, I do feel like at the end of 2021, we have adapted to living with it. Does that make sense? Uh, there are still some changes, still some differences, still some things that we have to, you know, do differently. Yes. But it does feel like, you know, and I've taken kind of Omicron, this little blurp at the end of the year out of the equation, things did kind of feel like they were kind of back to normal. Right. We somewhat. certainly, obviously in communities, everybody is watching it and people have different uh, ways of handling the mitigation things for it, masks distancing, vaccines, things like that. So that's sort of handled by different people and in different regions. But all the things we wondered in 2021, the things we were maybe concerned about, you know, we we had our annual meeting. We had state convention annual meetings. Churches basically met all year in person. Um, there obviously, I think, are, are some differences. A lot of churches still have folks who are high risk that maybe aren't able to come. The online presence of churches, I think, stayed. So you have in-person gathering and online, you know, offerings that maybe wasn't there before COVID-19. But generally, we we got, we were able to get back to life with some adjustments in how we do a few things, yeah. I think. And, and having the vaccines have helped that as well. That, yeah. that really has. But uh, essentially, the convention kept going. So Yeah. Just like it did the year before when all the disruption, the convention That's kept right. moving forward. That's right. So, That's right. So, yep. pretty, so there's pretty number wild one. Lesson there. All right. Yeah. Number two, will we see more diverse first and second chair leaders? Uh, remember, we headed into the year. We had an opening in uh, SBTC. We had an opening in Ohio, in North Carolina, at Guidestone. Uh, we have some other openings. We'll talk about that uh, in the next section of this, the biggest stories of the year. Uh, you know, Provost at Southwestern was open, kind of still is in an interim role. I think David Dockery is serving right. in an interim role right now. And we have other state staff. So did we see more diverse first and second chair leaders? Amy? Not really. We did not. So, yeah. And, uh, and I think, it, obviously, it's one of those things that in each of these categories, they are they have their own searches. They have their own processes for finding people. They have their own pool of candidates that they're looking at. But as we continue to ask this question, we are always going to be watching. And we've had reports in the past that EC has put things out 
saying that we have a desire to see more uh, diversity, specifically greater ethnic diversity among our leaders. And that one of the things we're supposed to do in that desire is to keep checking, to keep asking, to keep looking and saying, where are we on this? And so that's one reason why we do that on this show is we want to keep asking the question. And at this stage, the answer is still no. Not really. Now we have seen a lot more diverse um, elections in uh, like at the state level and Mm -hmm. and things we've, we've seen that we've continued to see that. And then also diversity on boards and committees, but in terms of first and second tier leaders, not so much. Yeah. I feel like the progress is being made just not at that top level. Yep. All right. Number three, and this kind of connects with number one, but number three, what will the annual meeting look like? It will look like a sea of humanity, Amy. That's what it's going to look like. Yeah, but let me let me point something out. That when we asked this question, <laughs> we thought that it was going to be at the Gaylord. Yeah, the Gaylord was kind of empty that week because we it were was. all in downtown. It was. And wow. we had gone and done all... Remember, we went and did all those videos, the road oh, to yeah. Nashville. And Great we talked videos. about... There's a water park in here and there's a spa and, you, you know, you can go around the conservatory and not so much. Didn't get to do that. Yeah, so the road to Nashville took a serious detour. That's right. Downtown. So, it's, so it's kind of fun to think if we could go back and tell ourselves in January, actually, it's going to look nothing like what you are planning for. Um, but it, it did, it did continue on and was much larger than we expected. We wanted to break 10,000. I would say so. We did. Yeah. 15,700. So we we blasted right through that. And the funny thing is for the last two or three years, we've been asking, will we hit 10,000? Will we hit 10,000? We didn't even ask that this year. That's right. We just said, what's it going to look like? And there, there we, there we did. We blew right past it. Yeah. So um, it looked like a sea of humanity. Because sure I'm telling you, folks, from from the view that we had, you know, Amy being part of the, you know, working with the committee on resolutions, me being up on stage, vice president of communications for the executive committee, you know, we're we're sitting up there, we're watching all this, and it was just overwhelming to see the the people there. I mean, just it was it was incredible. That's something that Amy and I, you know, we've been calling for, hoping for, wanting, you know, praying to see, you know, messengers engage, churches engage, and we saw that this past year, and it was awesome. That was so much fun. Yep. Pretty crazy. So exhausting, but fun. Right. Right. I was worn out by the end and felt like I didn't really get to see a lot of people one-on-one, but I saw a a big crowd. So, yes. uh, So it, it was, it was a good, it was a good week. There was a lot of, I mean, we know this, there's a lot of contentiousness going in. We had a lot of things to wrestle with, but we did, we came together and, Decisions were made by those who showed up. Absolutely. So, and and that leads us to the next one. Who will be nominated for offices in Nashville and, and, and the winners too? Yeah. I think going into the year we had we had one. Yeah. Because Dr. Moeller had announced that he is That's right. going. That's right. That was in November, I believe, of last year. That's so right. We knew that so we, right. So we had four candidates for president. We had uh, Albert Moeller, Randy Adams, Ed Litton, and Mike Stone. And we kind of expected with four candidates, we were going to have a runoff. I mean, it's just, it's, it's really tough to break that 50% threshold with a four candidate field. So we had a runoff for that and Ed Litton won that presidency. Then in for first vice president, it was Lee Brand 
who is from the Memphis area, and then uh, Anthony Dockery, who was from California. Lebrand won by 327 votes. All the races were pretty close, actually. For second vice president, we had another field of four. We had Ramon Medina, Javier Chavez. We had Dusty Durbin and Stephen Feinstein. So then that was the first round. So again, went into a runoff because it's tough with four to not end up in a runoff. And the runoff was between Ramon Medina and Javier Chavez. So um, so same thing with the president. The runoff was between Mike Stone and Ed Litton. Then uh, in the second vice president, Ramon Medina wins over Javier Chavez. And then Don Currents, registration secretary, he was elected by acclamation. And then John Yates. Well, but but remember ran, when we asked this question at the beginning of the year, Kathy Litton was in that role. And we that's didn't expect right. a different registration secretary. That's right. That's right. So Kathy Litton had stepped down from the registration secretary position when Ed Litton announced that he was running. And then she turned around. So Don Currents became the acting registration secretary. The executive committee did that. And then Kathy Litton turned around and nominated him for the position for next year. And he was elected by acclamation. And her uh, her speech was really, really great and, and special, very meaningful, because she talked about how their relationship had built over the year while she was serving. Then uh, John Yates got elected recording secretary. Adam Blosser from Virginia was nominated against him. Um, but John Yates won and, will, and is serving this year for the 24th time. So uh, very interesting. And some of those we didn't see. I certainly didn't expect four nominees in both the president and second vice president fields. And like you said, the registration secretary was different than we expected. Four out of five uh, people were different in that one. Yeah. Yeah. And and also don't forget the pastor's conference too. Matt Hensley winning that That's right. That's right. Pretty, pretty wild uh, out of what three were there three people three nominated or four for that? Three i can't four, remember i wasn't like i was like kind of in there for that there was somebody that was nominated yeah, that i didn't we know were, but right we were all over the place so yeah. there you go but speaking that was the of afternoon that, you had your um your little uh shindig going on new, that afternoon the yeah, standing room messenger. only holy smokes yeah. that was big yeah messenger orientation that was a great great time we had a good time doing that all right so That takes us, though, speaking of pastor's conference, to question number five. How will the SEND conference be received in place of the pastor's conference? I think people generally liked it. I mean, they enjoyed themselves. I I didn't hear many complaints or any complaints about it. I mean, people came. They enjoyed it. They had fun. They listened to some good preaching, had a couple concerts in there as well. Uh, Had the Mark Rick moment that we mentioned last week on last week's episode, whenever you were uh, talking about your fascinating people of the year and you listed Mark Rick, you know, for the send luncheon, he came out and Bobby Bowden came out and kind of surprised him there, kind of cool moment there. And I mean, it just, uh, you know, I I think the send conference was a overwhelming hit. Yeah, there you go. It was, I I think it was a good time. Tracks. That was kind of cool. That's right. Like we said, we were so busy with uh, some of the things that we needed to be doing for the, our for our, our jobs, for the executive committee, that we really didn't get to experience much of it, but yeah. I heard great things. Yeah. So. I did feel like people were really engaged with it, though. You know, sometimes the, the pastor's conference, it, you kind of float in, float out kind of thing. Sometimes you, you have a couple people you really want to see. It did feel like people were a little bit more engaged and more attuned to it. Maybe it just because we had so many people and right. there were more people in the room kind of normal than normal because the, the crowd was just that much bigger. So, yeah. That may be it too, but I, you know, I think from for all intents and purposes, I, I know Kevin Ezel and Paul Chitwood, the presidents of NAM and IMB, respectively, they were pleased, and I think we we really enjoyed it. So NAM's team did a great job with that, and 
and uh and IMB as well. So yeah, huge success in my opinion. Yeah, I think so. All right, number six. How will the major launch of GoTo affect sending numbers in coming years? Yeah, so that's a good question, and I'm not sure that's one we can answer nah. yet. Um, I think what we can see is, and I know uh, that that GoTo is continuing to be implemented. I know NAM is really working on strategies for that. I also know that we saw sending numbers really continuing to increase, particularly with the IMB, all these sending um, services that were happening throughout the year. Uh, Send Network continuing to just plant more and more churches all the time. So we are seeing movement in the area, but it's difficult, you know, quantitatively to uh, connect that to go to yet. I think that was a great question to ask at the beginning of the year. I think it's a tough one to answer right now. Yeah, so absolutely. The answer is, I don't know. But speaking of NAM, question number seven was, will the Annie Armstrong Easter offering rebound? It will, Amy. And it will in record fashion. $66.5 million this year given to the Annie Armstrong Easter offering for North American missions. And uh, I was there in Pittsburgh for the announcement. That was kind of the cool thing, too. That was that was fun. Yeah, that's that was really neat and a great thing to celebrate, to be excited about, especially after, I mean, honestly, 2020 was just tough and we were right in the throes of the pandemic and the beginning stages and a lot of uncertainty about what was going to happen. People were locked down. It was really tough, but boy, here we were just a, a good bounce back. So it was great. Yeah. A trip to Pittsburgh. I won't soon forget. And uh, not just because of the Permani brothers, which was delightful by the way. Yes. So, all right. Will the Lottie moon Christmas offering meet its $175 million goal? They did. And they blew past it. Yeah. So, uh, but got almost 178 million. So yes. very exciting. Like 177.7, something like that or something. That's right. I think 177.6. So very exciting. And they also surpassed a cumulative $5 billion in total gifts over the lifetime of the Christmas offering. So kind of a big year to celebrate Lottie Moon. Yeah. So we, we hit that 5 billion part on the Lottie Moon side. We hit the 20 billion part on the cooperative program, all-time giving. So those yes. two milestones this year, just absolutely amazing. And, and again, just a testimony to the giving, the prioritization of missions, and the generosity of Southern Baptists around right. the country. So just, right. just amazing. All right. Number nine, which is one uh, that I, I know why we asked it, but it's interesting to look back. How will Southern Baptists respond to potential legislation from the Biden administration that could infringe on our beliefs and religious liberties? Well, we fought them. <laughs> and and yeah. honestly, I think by the end of the year, I, I don't really think there were, I'm saying this kind of just at large, you know, largely speaking, right. you know, broad brush here. The Biden administration didn't really get a whole lot done when it comes to these type of issues, it seems. Right. When it when it comes to religious liberty questions, I'll say it this way. I'm sure there's a deeper dive and the ERLC may have even done some work yeah. on these things, but there it, it wasn't the what I had feared or expected. It wasn't to mm -hmm. that level. Obviously, yeah. we with the the OSHA, you know, case that is is playing right now um, that's something that our seminaries in particular and then some other you know other or our, any of our organizations that have yeah. a large number of employees that's the workplace watching, vaccine mandate folks by right the way. yeah that's and they're watching about. and concerned about but not necessarily over a religious liberty it, it's more just kind of a it 
the it's kind of a concern about a mandate. So they're definitely fighting that. And Southern Seminary has been part of, of that lawsuit, one of those lawsuits. But in the end, I'll just say it this way. I was much more concerned when we posed that question in January than I think bore out. So obviously that's something to continue to watch throughout the the administration. We saw the Supreme Court pick up the Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health Clinic case. We had that, you know, we did a whole week of that at Baptist Press, did a special episode here on the podcast, December 1st. That was the uh, opening arguments for that, or the oral arguments for that. And um, that ruling should come in 2022, um, what they feel about that. So I think I'm more encouraged now than I was at the beginning of the year. Fair? Yeah, The Equality I think Act that's hasn't fair. really taken off the social programs that they were trying to push. Right. Joe mentioned is really yeah, kind and of that was put a really, squash and that was the on equality, that. Right. The Equality Act was what was, I think, our major concern. And so we just haven't seen. So what it, what it shows is that sort of the give and take of government and legislation and people working, you know, against, I mean, they're, you know, they push back against certain things. It means that not everything happens the way that folks want it to. So, you know, I don't know. We'll see where we are on this yeah. in, and in, in fact, the next I year. mean, they just passed something. I know it's not a domestic thing, but for the Uyghur deal in China with the forced labor laws and stuff like that, they just passed something through Congress this week on that. That's right. So, that's I mean, right. So, Southern yeah. Baptist had a hand in that, but uh, that, you know, that's, that's another right. thing to talk about. All right, so here comes number 10. What will be the surprise story of 2021? It's kind of our catch-all question. Right. The things we that we don't expect. End. And uh, I, I think... You want to narrow that down to one, Amy? There were a lot of surprises. There were a lot of surprises in 2021. I'm not sure that we can narrow it down. Earlier in the year, we would have thought it would be moving the annual meeting. Right. And then we would have thought 15,000 messengers at the annual meeting. Right. And then we would have thought sex abuse task force from the annual meeting or departure of two entity heads throughout the year. Like just throw a dart at any of those. There were a lot of surprises. Yeah. So like we just said, moving the location of the annual meeting did not see that coming at the time. Um, now, I think maybe we saw coming. Would we have to cancel? Would we have to do something? Would we move cities? I did not think that we would be able like be downtown. I, that didn't, that didn't. Well, even it wasn't available until right, CMA right. fest canceled. And then it That's became right. available all of a sudden. Right. So having the annual meeting downtown, as you said, having more than 15,000 messengers in a pandemic year, didn't see that coming. Obviously the, uh, I, and I think probably the establishment of the task force and the third party review um, the two entity head openings at the ERLC and the executive committee, which neither one of us expected in January. Um, so I think, I, I think quite, it, it's been quite a year in, in 2021 of things we did not see coming. In some ways, it reminds me a little bit of 2018, where we all started 2018 oh, yeah. and didn't really know what. And then next thing you know, I mean, that's when David got Platt- five entity head openings. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We had, had so many, you know, so I think this mirrored that in that we started the year off, didn't really know what to expect. And then it was just one thing after another. So, uh, that makes me look at 2022 and think, goodness, what, what's 2022 going to bring? So when we, we also had a state elect a, uh, a former sports writer as their new state exec too. Don't forget that one. <laughs> I don't, I don't think he saw that coming hit it into 2021 either. 
That's right. I don't think Todd Unziker saw that in North Carolina, and I'm not sure North Carolina saw that. So really wild year that we didn't we didn't all expect. Um, but spoiler alert, you're going to see a question like that for 2022. So this makes me look at 2022 and say, man, I don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. So, How are you going to top this? So Let's, let's not right. try to so top it. Let's, <laughs> let's be ho-hum. Let's go. You know what? There were no major key, surprises. Low key year. The most That's surprising right. thing was that I got salmon instead of chicken at, you know, that That's one right. night I went. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Low key year would be good. Let that be so. the biggest surprise of the year. That's right. All right. So, but having, having asked that, thrown those out, take us through what some of the biggest stories of 2021. Yeah. Hey, and, and on the, on the surprise story of the year, I, I think what I might do is I might take to Twitter and put a poll out on our SBC this week, Twitter page. Oh yeah, say, that'd what, be great. What do you think was the biggest surprise of these four and list the four uh, that we had? So and That's see and see see what people think. So yeah. all right. And then and we'll report back in a couple of weeks. So That's right. Okay. All right. Biggest stories of twenty twenty one. Like you said. All right, we we've mentioned this, the SPC annual meeting, all that went on with that, the the moving it, right. the um the several ballot votes. We had more ballot votes this year than ever. I mean, that's something that only the nerds like us care about. But right. nine ballot votes this year. Uh Don Currents, yeoman's work. To get he all did. that counted. He did an and incredible his job. Team. Wow. Phenomenal job. Don Currents, probably the unsung hero of the annual meeting. Because, I mean, folks, here's the deal. We can't adjourn until we have those results. Like, the, we just have to sit around, basically, and wait on counts. Because they right. have to be announced. They have to be accepted by the convention and all that. Like, we announced the second vice president runoff at, like, 5 o'clock on Wednesday. It was like Ramon was on the way to the airport because he was trying to catch his flight. I'm calling him on the phone saying, hey, congratulations, you just won. We just announced it. And he's like, oh, I need, and by the way, I need a quote for Baptist Press. Okay, I'll try to get that to you before I get on my flight. Because, I mean, it was, we thought it would be over. Yeah. Yeah. It was, and that's because of that rule where you had to like finish one before you could start another, which Mm -hmm. we're in the process of of changing. Yeah. One more year of that. One more year. Yeah. Yeah. So, the annual meeting. What what a year. We, we, that's an annual meeting. I think many of us, if you were there, you won't soon forget that one. All right. Number two, um, and these these are not like ranked or anything, but uh, Ed Litton elected SBC president. So we mentioned it, defeating Mike right. Stone in the runoff uh, and, you know, winning out of a, a field of four people, which I don't know if we've, it's been a while since we saw a field of four as well. But uh, yeah, Ed Litton, our new SBC president. Yep. Um, also then the leadership transitions that we saw both at the national and the state level. So obviously two NCT head openings right now at the ERLC and the executive committee, as well as executive vice president at the executive committee. And then um, state and, conventions. And half the staff at the ERLC. Sorry, guys. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, a lot, of, a lot of staff at the ERLC. Hey, Brent Leatherwood, shout out to you for keeping it together and really getting things done at a clutch time. Absolutely. With the ERLC. I mean, you guys, yes. they have done phenomenal, folks. We owe Brent a, a ton of gratitude for how he has led in the interim at the ERLC. He's been phenomenal. Yes, absolutely. He really has Cannot been. overstate how great he's been. And yeah. he buys me kava from time to time, and I love that too. So you're saying that if he buys you kava, then you'll continue to say things like this. Absolutely. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm a simple man. There you go. There you go. Um, for those of you who haven't ever had Kava before, uh, C-A-V-A, if it's in your town, you should check it out. One of our favorite the, spots. The official um, very- lunch spot of the SBC This Week podcast. 
That's right. It's very close to the building in downtown Nashville. And I have one that's not too far from me here. So I'm a big fan. It just opened one right um, around the corner in Cool Springs too. Oh, good for you. All right. Moving back. If they, uh, so not yeah, a sponsor, lot, but if they want to be, we can make it happen. Yep. So lots of leadership transitions um, in state conventions. As you already mentioned, Todd Unziker in North Carolina, also uh, Ohio, Indiana, Oklahoma, Nevada. Lots. That's right. Nevada. Colorado, uh, Colorado, Texas. yes, yep. yeah, Texas. Yeah. There are two opens right now. Do you remember what they are? Um, Maryland, Delaware, and um, help me out, help me out. It's right next door. The BGAV. Um, oh, that's right, that's right. BGAV. Yep, that's always something. I think you know, with forty-one state conventions, you're always going to have some transitions. Yeah, the Delmarva is opened. Watch. Yes. Yes, it is. It is indeed. Um, all right. So that was a big one. Obviously, we'll see what next year looks like, especially with some of these that are still open and we don't know who who's going to be going in there. Yeah. Um, OK, so baptisms. Yeah, that was wow. That was pretty incredible. So, I mean, you got to set to start with what happened kind of starting, I think, this week last year right. at Long Hollow, where they really kind of experienced this move of God. I mean, there's no kind of they did and baptized more than a thousand people by Easter. I mean, it was insane what was going on up there. Like the Lord was moving. Robbie Gallaty and Chris Swain, who we lost this year, really good friend of ours here on the pod. And uh, Chris Swain passed away suddenly uh, this year, just felt, you know, kind of collapsed getting his mail one day. Um, so I want to remember him this year. So Melissa Swain and family, you know, we're thinking of you guys right now uh, at this time of year. But um, just an incredible movement of God up at Long Hollow this year. And then we had Baptism Sunday in the fall, and we had a, a huge baptism thing going on over at Nathan Leno's church in Houston. Like, they were baptizing people like crazy. Uh, you've had 1,100 people come to Christ at Champion Forest this Christmas season. You had thousands and thousands of baptisms in North Carolina, like we said, on Baptism Sunday. They really kind of led the way on that. That was a huge push there in North Carolina. Todd and Zicker and the team there, just just really, really cool to see. So. Right. Yep. You know, we'll uh we'll see what ACP numbers show next year, but at the same time, like I, I've been very encouraged what we're seeing and, and how we're seeing people, you know, reach out and evangelize our church at uh Forest Hills. We've baptized more than we have the last two years combined. Uh somewhere forty five ish, forty eight, almost fifty range. I don't know where we'll end up the year, but we're somewhere in that range and um which is just amazing. So we're seeing churches you know, bring back the priority of evangelism and, and we're seeing the results. That's right. That's right. So really exciting. All right. Another, and we'll do, a, let, let's do a couple of these really quickly yeah. um, because some of them we sort of addressed in the yeah. questions. On doing, ongoing um, pandemic. Ongoing yes. pandemic. Obviously that was a big one. Um, it, lots of entity news. Like the, mm -hmm. I mean, we kind of forget the, the Southwestern lawsuit with the Riley foundation that was yeah. happening at the beginning of the year. It was so long ago that uh, we kind of forget. Yep. That was in 2021 and lots of people sitting around watching a uh, YouTube oh, yeah. you know, live I remember that. case because they were all, you know, in, in, in different, different Unfortunately, spots. Unfortunately, so. none of the lawyers were cats. That's right. No one, one of the greatest no videos one had of the, year. The, the cat face. Sorry, on like sir. I'm that, not a cat. Not, yeah. Like in that other case, I've watched that so many times. Way oh, more it's than so I funny. Have. So um, funny. But that also, uh, the NAM appeal to the Supreme court of the United States that was denied. And so that's kind of still living back down at the circuit level, uh, Lifeway selling their building 
and uh, obviously lots of other entity news, but those were kind of some of the the big ones, the the high profile ones. Um, but lots going on there for sure. Uh, we talked about strong giving, CP, yeah. Annie Armstrong, Lottie Moon, some of the things we were worried about in 2020 uh, rebounded. And so that's good. I mean, and I'm seeing that, I, I got to tell you, I, I know we've got issues with inflation. I know gas prices being what they are, but the economy, I was just out doing some last minute Christmas shopping today. The economy seems to be doing just fine. And that has played out in our giving as well. Disaster relief, a big story, particularly at the end of this year, but also yes. with hurricanes mm-hmm. um, and other yeah, we had a hurricane hit. Things. Louisiana, we had some wildfires out west. We had uh, obviously yeah. the tornadoes that we've talked about that came through the mid south right. just a couple of weeks ago. Uh, that was some seriously scary stuff there. And uh, you know, again, disaster relief. It shows you know Southern Baptists putting boots on the ground, man. They get it done. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So that was a big one. State annual meetings, and one of the things that we saw uh, as oh, yeah. a as and let's do these last two together. I mean, yeah. the executive committee third party review was really kind of one of the biggest stories of the year, I think. But then the state annual meetings, the pattern that we saw of states doing various forms of that, whether it was a task force to look at things or, you know, some kind of a review of policies and procedures, whatever it was, it it became clear that messengers at the state and national level care deeply about the issue of sexual abuse and wanting to make sure that we know and understand how we have handled this in the past and to consider how we will handle it going forward. And so messengers continue to speak loud and clear uh, through all different, different means um, that this matters to them. And that's kind of where we are. I mean, that was a huge story of the year, but we are continuing in it both at the state levels as they take on some of these reviews and as the executive committee um, continues with the third-party review and the sexual abuse task force does their work uh, for that report that will come out in May. Um, and then also the the review that the ERLC is doing, kind of the assessment, which will go on for a few years, that's more of a data gathering uh, thing for the, for the convention. It's very clear in the aftermath of the last few years, as we all processed the handling of abuse, how it has been done in the broader culture of our convention, because it's, you know, w- with all of these autonomous bodies, everyone is handling it, but we're looking at how it's being handled in the pattern of how it's being handled and people want to know and understand and people want to improve where we need to. So yeah. I think that was that that was big, big story. And I don't think that that's a story that's going to go away. And that's this is a continuing conversation. Yeah, we're going to see some stuff in 2022 as a reflection of that. So it'd be fascinating to see and and to see some of those reports from the different states, as well as the obvious one that we're getting about the executive committee in May and June. So, all right. Well, that's it for our biggest stories of the year, Amy. And that brings us to our resource of the year which somehow we failed to even mention on the podcast, but I, I feel like still it, it should be the resource of the year. And this is something I don't it? have. I, I'm not even able to get it because you can't get it. It is the Brenda Gant cookbook. Yes. It's called, it's going to be good y'all. And it's yes. by Brenda Gant. Now, a lot of people will be going like, how in the world is a cookbook and Brenda Gant and like, who is Brenda Gant? And how oh. is that related to the SPC? So Amy, break it down. Remember, this is Brenda Gantt. She's from Alabama. 
in the middle of the pandemic, as everyone is locked down, she started doing Facebook live videos of her. I think she started out with her biscuit recipe. Yeah, biscuit making. Yeah, and then it making. starts getting all this play. So then she starts doing other cooking videos on Facebook Live. Like it's just her and her phone in, in her kitchen. Mm-hmm. And then what she began doing was inviting people. She would do something on Sunday morning and then invite people to watch her church's Facebook Live online service there in Alabama. She was the Southern Baptist Church in South Alabama. Yeah. And they started to see an increase. Like they actually, that people were coming and, and, listening in on the service and the preaching and all that. So it was making a difference in this church and outreach. And then she just built this like huge following. So out of it, she gets this cookbook deal and now they can't keep them in print. No, they're it's, like it's out of stock. They're doing another printing and they, they sold thousands of this thing and you can't get it on Amazon. Like Barnes and Noble can't keep it in stock. And so there's another printing coming this spring and we somehow got our hands on a copy. Allison Young, good friend of the pod and employee of the pod, also, um, well, employee, coworker of the pod, I guess. Um, she got her hands on one somehow. I can't remember how, but she's, you know, her parents live in South Alabama down in, I think, Enterprise. And she got a copy of one, brought it back to the office so we could all see it. Because we did a big story about her on Baptist Press when the thing blew up in 2020. And we did another one when the cookbook released because it's like, you know, big deal. So she brings a cookbook back to the office. We put the cookbook in the break room and we all decided, hey, we're going to have our Christmas party this year is going to be Brenda Gant Christmas. So we're going to all do potluck because we're Baptist. And you're going to pick a recipe or two from the cookbook and make the recipe and bring it in. So we had sweet potato casserole, squash casserole, broccoli casserole. I mean, your, your staples here. We got a ham. That's right. And it was one of the best hams I've ever had. It was so moist and juicy because Laura cooked it. Laura Erlinson did it, and she cooked it like Brenda says to cook her ham. So she just followed the directions, cooked it. Amazing ham, by the way. It was so juicy. Uh, we had biscuits. Andy Beecham made biscuits. The biscuits from Brenda Gant, and they were amazing. Uh, we had pies. We had deviled eggs. I made deviled eggs because I love deviled eggs, and her recipe was basically my recipe. Incredible. So, And they were amazing. So, so, so what you're saying is- We had a it, great time. This is our resource of the year for 2021, but- we're not going to actually get our hands on a copy until 2022. Yeah. So we can, it, it, it could be the resource of the year again for a lot of people, but yeah, uh, but it, it's basically, it's no, no frills. It's not right. anything weird. And like, it's the stuff that you have on hand at your house. It's, you know, not these yeah. weird ingredients or anything like this or fancy techniques. It's just straight up Southern cooking. It's right. great. The website, the website for her publisher says these are the exact recipes that she is sharing on Facebook. So uh, pretty exciting. So they're in the middle of this reprint and it's going to be in the spring 2022. So people can order them, but they won't ship until May. So definitely sounds like it's worth it. And I'm going to have to get my hands on, on a copy of this. You know, we had joked before we recorded this, that the resource of the year was a resource of the last two years, really were those um, individual communion cups yeah. Man, whoever invented those, they, it's been a good couple of years for them. Yep. But, uh, and I don't see those going away anytime soon. So I think that's a definite resource for the churches. But we wanted to, we wanted to highlight Miss Brenda. So, yes, uh, very cool. And by the way, on on the cookbook, Amy, I do not like sweet potato at all. That is one of the was foods hers that really I don't good. Eat. It was so good. Uh huh. There you go. All right, I'm going to need to get this. 
I would eat sweet potatoes if they were cooked like that. Now, there's no telling how much sugar was in that sweet potato casserole. Right. Sweet but sweet it was potatoes. Yeah. Yes. There Emphasis on the sweet potato casserole. But it was amazing. Yes. All right. So we have looked back at 2021. It's the end of the year. And it has been, it's been quite a year. And some changes in, in our life, changes in my life. I'm in a different role now. You left me. And I, I know, I know. So glad to still be on this podcast, but doing doing something different here uh, in North Carolina. And we got lots going on. So uh, so it's been a good one. And uh, we, we wish everybody a happy new year. Yes, absolutely. Happy new year, folks. Thank you, Southwestern, for sponsoring us each and every week here on the podcast here in 2021. Looking forward to many fun episodes in the future. Amy, I'll see you next year. See you next year.